Hey there, podcast listener out there in your messy studio of your very own. Uh, I just wanted to remind you to go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. Uh, This show is made possible by listeners like you, and every little bit counts. We got a lot of ongoing expenses here for hosting, um, as well as the amount of time that we put into the podcast every week for you. Uh, So we'd really appreciate even just small donations. And in the past, we've shouted out donations for larger amounts, but going forward, we're going to be thanking you directly uh, for even small donations. So if you want to hear a shout out on the show, just go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and donate literally any amount. You can give us $1 a month and we'll give you a very sincere thank you because those little donations, they add up and they make it possible for us to produce this content for you. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about inner voices. Last week, we talked about sorting through advice and opinions offered by others about our work, how to identify what holds us back and benefit from what moves us forward. But there are other voices that we deal with that comment about our work, those that live inside our own minds. This topic is closely linked with our previous podcast because many of these inner comments originate in other people's ideas. How can we regulate our inner critic and stay on a positive track? How can we nurture our own insights and recognize what is right for our own path? With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Um, so we're it's kind of a we're going to reiterate a few things we said last time, but also move on into some ideas about how this inner talk that we do can trend towards the positive rather than the negative. Uh, but we'll look at both kinds of self talk and. Um, I think we all have both kinds in our minds, (laughs) even, um, I mean, I would say any artist, no matter how confident and successful or whatever, has at least some inner voices that are not 100% helpful. But part of moving on and becoming um, more confident in your work is to try to nurture the the things we tell ourselves that are more positive. On a day-to-day basis, I think we cycle through all kinds of various voices and some are good and some are not so good. The cycle a lot of us will recognize as we're working on a piece of art is, you know, you can sort of start out with pretty positive feelings and, oh, this is really interesting. I'm excited about this. And, And then at some point, you know, you hit the inevitable challenge or snag in what you're doing and the voices become a little less positive and they're uh, what am I doing? Where is this going? I don't know what I'm doing. And and then, you know, if you stick with it, you find some way through it and then um, usually come back to feeling good about it. I'm done. I'm finished. I accomplished this. And it's a cycle that we're all sort of familiar with, right? It's sort of like part of the game. Uh, it's almost sometimes like two different people in our heads, the the one saying, oh, what are you doing? And the other one saying, hey, not bad. So um, <laughs> how does this inner commentary really affect our art making? The really negative comments, and when they truly become negative, um, they can be very discouraging and just sap your energy and and lead you into creative blocks even. 
But it's good to know that we're also capable of these kind of good uh, insights and things, you know, goals we set for ourselves, observations, all kinds of things. So we're going to look at both of those. And and I think before we get too far, though, um, I do want to say that if you have a lot of negative self-talk that's part of your self-esteem, it may be a part of a bigger problem. And, and we're not qualified to get into anything too psychological here. And we're just going to focus on the kind of things that have to do directly with art making, but there's there's plenty of that. So that's that's where we're heading with this. Um, so I guess I'm going to start briefly with with some of those negative things that we tell ourselves. Um, and as we talked about in the last podcast and at the introduction to this one, a lot of these ideas that we tell ourselves come from other people, and they're things that we were told or perceived that we never challenged and they just became part of us um a good a good amount of these may have come from your parents because a lot of parents with all the best with with your best interest at heart may have said art is not for you they may not have acknowledged your need or desire to make art um and they had their own agenda. You know, they wanted you to be able to have a career that was going to make money, et cetera. Um, and they may have come from teachers who had their own agendas, instructors early on who said, um, hey, uh, this is the way to do it, and you're not quite on track here. And you may have been a rebel. <laughs> you know, you may have been somebody who never really fit the mold. And while that may give you strength, it can also make you feel unsure of yourself. So when you hear that critical inner voice, it's a good idea to identify where it's coming from. Who 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 stopped you from believing in yourself as an artist? Who who put those thoughts in your head? <laughs> and I don't mean it as a blame game. I don't mean pointing fingers, but just observing and trying to connect with that time when as children, we all kind of loved our artwork, right? You know, our, our crayons and our paper. And somewhere along the way, some of that joy gets siphoned off by these people who are probably quite well-meaning. They want the best for us. And so I think it's a good idea to just say, hey, that happened. That was way back when. Um, it doesn't really matter anymore. And as much as possible, just identify the source and maybe talk back to it a little bit and say, hey, leave me alone because <laughs> that was a long time ago. A big challenge I think you should uh, put on inner voices is the one that the ones that start with you should do this, should those should voices. Um, and one of them I know people experience a lot is the one that says you should work in your studio every single day. Um, that's one of those truisms that a lot of artists have been exposed to and a lot of us have internalized that. But I would guess that there aren't that many people that actually do this every single day. Um, and I would also say, is there actually a need for that? And I, I know I've mentioned in previous podcasts that I, I believe in taking breaks. I believe in saying you don't have to do it every single day. And when you, but you have that implanted in your brain, right away you're going to criticize yourself because for the last day or two you haven't gotten anything done or you haven't been in your studio. 
And it's just part of life to me, to my way of thinking. It's my opinion. And as we mentioned, we should question other people's opinions. But that's when I hear a lot. And people will start up by saying, well, you know, I don't go to my studio every day. And it's like, um, uh, okay, neither do I, you know. <laughs> um, so when you when you find those should voices in your head, I think it's a good thing to say, um, how valid is that? You know, does that really make sense? And how doable is it? And just kind of examine that a little closer. Another thing people do is they berate themselves because this whole thing isn't very easy. And um, we we know intellectually that making good art takes a lot of practice and a lot of difficult um, things that you have to take on, a lot of discipline. Um, it's not an easy thing. And it is going to be hard. And when it's really tough going, that is not a reflection of your own ability or your worth as an artist. We all go through it. But I really find that that people will say often, well, this, they imply that they're not really very good because they're struggling. And it's like, yeah, that is part of it. <laughs> um, it's how you handle the struggle that's important. And so there's some kind of underlying assumption, though, this should this should come easily to me if I'm actually good at art. And I would say challenge that one. Um, and the other thing is, you know, nobody always feels good about everything they do, because it is hard work. And there are a lot of challenges and pitfalls and whatnot. Um, and so, you know, acknowledge that. But there's also this, <laughs> there's also this thing that people say, or I see a lot of memes about this, that a true artist is always negative, is always critical of their own work. And um, that, you know, you're not a true artist unless you sort of always hate what you're doing. So that's kind of the flip side of it. And maybe you feel pretty good. Maybe you're kind of happy with it. Does that mean there's something wrong with that? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think we should take as much pleasure in it as we can, as often as possible. Um, so don't beat yourself up because you do like your work. That seems like an odd thing to say, but it's one of those kind of tropes in the art world that, you know, the great artists were always down on their own work. So I don't know. That's another one to question. Um, be aware if you're comparing yourself to other people. And this is something I see a lot in workshops. And people will admit to me, well, I look over there and I see what she's doing. And I, I just say mine isn't as good. And I wish I could be like her, etc. Um, and, you know, if people say that, and they come out with it. I think it's a lot of times kind of under the surface, but if they come out with it, I always say, hey, everybody here is on their own path. I mean, that's a beautiful thing about art, right? We're all we're all different points, we're all working. And, you know, try to counteract that urge because it, it comes on especially when either you're in a group of people all working together or maybe you're at an art exhibit and you're looking at somebody else's accomplishments and thinking, oh yeah, right, I will never be there. Um, try not to go there. You don't know, you know, you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, there's also the voices of impatience. <laughs> I think these are pretty common among more advanced artists as well because you kind of feel like, well, I've been doing this for a long time. How come it's still a struggle? I should get this by now. Um, I 
things like, I've been working on this same painting forever. Why isn't it finished? Or sometimes if people that are just getting into art, they think, I'm really kind of at an older age to be starting this. I need to get it now. I need to, you know, get everything going the right way, right away. And so these kind of impatient voices, obviously, they're kind of pointless. We have to, it's going to take the time it takes, right? I mean, you can't really rush a lot of this stuff. Um, so those are just some examples, these kind of, uh, they, they're part of a process. They, most of them are related to the process we're going through. And they're come out at specific points. You're trying to finish something or you're stuck in the middle. And you probably hear the same voices over and over. And sometimes I think it's good just to write them down, just put them on paper and say, okay, why am I telling myself this thing? You know, sort of get it out of your head and examine it. Um, talking to other artists can also be pretty helpful because uh, if people are honest, they will acknowledge that they have some of these things that they think. And if you look at the big picture, if we're all telling ourselves some of these negative things, yet we're all making art and we're all progressing, um, it sort of puts them in perspective a little bit. And they're not, they don't need to stop you in your tracks. And the, the thing I think you mentioned at the beginning of trying to, uh, or we have definitely talked about another podcast, trying to replace uh, a negative thought with a positive one. As soon as you catch yourself with it, as soon as you think that bad thing, try to flip it around. Well, and, and we also, as you say, it's, it's a cycle that we all kind of go through in various points in our work. Um, and I, I think it's important to recognize that these are struggles that we have faced before, that we have overcome before, and there's no reason to think that this time is any different. Yeah. Um, and, and so just just having gone through that so many times, as we all have, uh, you can think of times in your past when things were difficult, and yet somehow you got through it. Yeah. I, I use that sometimes when I, I start feeling overwhelmed. I have too much to do, and I start thinking things like, I'm not going to get this work done for this exhibit. I have too many other things to go on to do, or I'm not going to meet this deadline. And, and I will, you know, believe that for a few minutes, I guess. And then it's exactly what you said. I think, yeah, but over and over again, I've come through over and over again, I've met this deadline, um, and produced this work. And, and in spite of these thoughts that I just can't do it, and it is encouraging. It's like your own personal history can really support a more positive <laughs> direction. Um, another thing I think is important about, you know, it's kind of turning to more positive self-talk. And we all like the kind of praise and validation that comes from other people. Um, there's no doubt. It feels good. And whether that comes from social media, an instructor, your friend, um, your spouse, whoever it is, somebody saying, yeah, that's really good. I mean, that feels good. But um, if you're getting almost all of your positive input from somebody else, the trap there is you fall into the idea of pleasing other people. Um, that painting you put on Facebook got a, a whole lot of comments and likes. And so it sh might shift your thinking, oh, okay, um, I want to please all those people again, so I want to put up something similar. And you can get a little bit stuck. And, 
you know, just to recognize that really when you have authentic, um, positive self-talk, that's coming from you. It's coming from inside of you. And all the other things, including sales and awards and recognition and all that, those are all great. But I think you have to keep them in perspective. They, that validation is coming from the outside, and it ebbs and it flows, another topic that we've talked about. And if you don't have something that's a solid core inside of you, when those downtimes happen and you're not getting that input, that positive strokes, then it's easy to start feeling pretty bad again. It's very hard to maintain that um, if you don't build up your own inner resources, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, so how do you do that? I mean, how do you develop that inner strength, um, self-validation? Where does that come from? And to me, in my case, and, and again, this is somewhat opinion, but this is what works for me, is it involves a lot of introspective things, activities like journaling and making notes in my sketchbook and really trying to know my own work as well as I can. And this helps bring a sense, a strong sense of my own identity as an artist in, in a good way. And I feel like it's a protection against negativity because when you have a strong sense of your work, if somebody says something negative or you're picking up something negative, it, it doesn't feel as devastating because you say, well, but I know, I know what I'm doing or what I'm trying to do. And it's also a way to see your own progress. And as you mentioned, your history of success, um, patterns that you've gone through, it, it gives you confidence to say, uh, I've, I've worked through these things. And maybe sometimes you have to work through them more than once. <laughs> I know there are things like that. You have to keep reminding yourself of something that you've learned because it can get scattered um, as you go through life and maybe enter a new body of work. You may have to remind yourself of things. And when you have that written down in a journal, in a sketchbook, maybe in a little post-it note on your studio wall, you, you reconnect with it again. Say, oh yeah, that's right. That's what I learned. <laughs> um, and I feel like those, those kind of activities are the way to get a, a solid core. Um, and, and, and getting input from other people that you value. If I have a conversation with somebody whose opinion I respect, and I will often make notes afterwards, and they will say things that I hadn't thought about or bring something up that's new, and it opens a door for me. And so I make a note, because otherwise I'm going to forget, and I'm going to push it aside in some way. So those kind of things I think are really helpful. And one last point that I want to make is sometimes what seems like a negative voice, it's a kind of a paradox, I think, uh, something you're telling yourself as a negative thing might actually not be a negative thing. It might be pointing the way to what it is you really want, and it might be giving you an interesting challenge. Um, and these are the kind of things that somebody has said, oh, well, you shouldn't do um, this or that because for some reason, in their opinion, it isn't the way to go. And yet, inside, you think, well, maybe it is the way to go. And, and yet, it forms in your mind, though, often as, I shouldn't be doing this. And I'll give an example of a student who wants to be uh, less referential in her work. She wants her work to be more purely abstract. And so she is not 
she's pushing away this impulse to use imagery in her work. And in this example, the imagery is flowers, okay? And they have a lot of meaning for her, and they just something she's dealt with a lot. But somebody or somewhere has put in her mind, I shouldn't be doing flowers. You know, that's cliche, or that's not right somehow. And I want my work to be very abstract. And this was a student of mine, and, you know, we had this conversation, and I said, well, but, you know, maybe flowers are where you want to go. You know, maybe you can find it a, a more abstract way of dealing with the imagery. And um, instead of saying my work is too referential and flowers are not a good topic or subject, um, try to open up a door to say, well, if it is my real subject and the thing I want to work with, how can I do that? And how can I um, move in a new way? And then it's it's good. Um, other people say things like, oh, my work is, is too rigid or it's too structured or maybe it's too colorful or um, there's something wrong with me because I only want to work on small paintings. I don't have any interest in scaling them up, et cetera, et cetera. These are things that people have um, either other people have said as criticisms or they have felt that judging by what they see around them, their work is to this or to that. And to me, these things can all just be personal challenges that could open doors if you accept them. It's who you are. It's what you're interested in. So I guess what I'm saying is you have, everybody has natural tendencies that they, they're interested in. And I don't think it's a good idea to uh, discount those and push them aside and say, oh, but they don't quite fit the, the way that everybody else seems to think I should be going. Yeah, and this ties in really well with our our episode, our recent episode on balancing. Um, so we're we're balancing our our inner voices and our natural tendencies. We're balancing the advice that we get from other people, mm-hmm. um, and we're we're really trying to push ourselves in constructive ways uh, rather than getting bogged down in negativity um, and and turning those those negative forces into constructive forces, uh, even when they are. Uh, critical, recognizing mm. valid criticisms and recognizing where we can push ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like somebody raises a point. Okay. You respond to the point. You accept it. Mm. Yes, you have a point. Or I really don't agree with you, but it's causing me to think about something. <laughs> and how can I if, I, if I don't agree with you, how can I create something good out of it? Right. And a lot of times we have this kind of emotional response to criticism and it's it's really helpful to just kind of acknowledge it, put it aside. You know, if, if it's something that's happening in real life in person, we can kind of say, uh, you know, OK, well, thank you for that. And, you know, put it aside, not like totally disregard it, but just put it on the back burner for a minute. And when it's our own kind of inner criticism, do the same thing, just kind of recognize it. And mm-hmm. put it aside. Mm-hmm. And then if we come back to that in a day or two, a lot of times we have a little bit more of a uh, uh, an outside perspective. You know, we're, we're able to to acknowledge it um, a little bit more objectively than than just that emotional mm-hmm. response. To yeah, it. a lot of times it's you're sort of ar- you have to have this big argument with the person in your head if you don't agree with them. Right. And then if you just get a little distance on it and distill it. um, it, it can be more, you can deal with it better. And I, I do think sometimes writing this down, uh, somebody says something that you have an emotional response to. And if you just write about it and you just, you can throw it away. I mean, you're just, it's just an act of getting it down on paper in a way that 
you can step back from it then and um, get it out of your system and, and stop having to argue with this person in your head, you know, and then gain some perspective. And yeah, maybe something really uh, more positive comes out of it. Right. And I, I feel like we can do the same thing with, with stress as well. Uh, you know, stress can be a very powerful motivator. It can cause us to kind of freeze up and not get things done. Mm -hmm. um, but it can also give us the focus that we need to really, okay, what is what what do we need to do in order to, to reach our goals? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge um, challenge in life to turn these things around uh, that we all right. deal with. And um, we all, but we all do make progress. I feel like it, and art is also therapeutic. And that when things, um, if you have a, a a challenge and somebody is challenging something about your work, working your way through that is is therapeutic emotionally, and it's good for your work. Um, and I've often heard people say that somebody kind of threw down a challenge to them and said, oh, your work is, let's say your work is too colorful. You have, you have too many bright colors in here. And they seize that and they say, okay, but it's who I am. So how am I going to make that really work? And, um, and the whole process of making it work is positive. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Um, yeah, I think, um, we do, you know, I mentioned at the end of the last episode that we're in control of this, actually. It can be really hard, but the truth is we do have at least a large amount of control over this kind of inner running commentary. We may not be able to prevent it from popping into our heads, but we can control how we respond to it, whether we give in to it or whether we challenge it. Um, uh, I don't know, making art is really hard, and I think berating yourself for not finding it easy is something it's a trap that a lot of artists fall into and when things aren't going well there's like perfectionism and unreal expectations and all this seem they just seem to be lying in wait or they're sitting right outside the door <laughs> waiting to be invited in and um you know trying to develop your own inner resources to stay confident to stay strong is is a worthy goal, I think, and and that last point I made that these inner voices can all can, they can be your best guides, even if they appear to be critical or negative, they can be guiding you forward. Yeah, and and that that thought of of art is is hard, you know, it, the the idea that art is easy that is definitely one of those. <laughs> outside voices that's something that somebody told you who has who has no experience doing art right they think um, you're just and, kind and of having fun all day or something right right <laughs> yeah and, and people don't understand how hard it is and and that it really is work and it's something that takes a lot of effort mm -hmm. um so yeah not not being so hard on yourself for for, for that, struggling I think is super important and recognizing where that that perspective comes from because it certainly isn't from people who do art <laughs> That is very well said. <laughs> okay. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.